Walking Dead spoilers for Season 6 and Season 7. Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> We're doing villains now, I'm Dracula! Hello. No one is available to take your call at this time. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey there, Kenny and Ben. Uh, this is your old pal, Negan, longtime listener of the show. Um, been a big fan since the best kiss days and um, just wanted to drop you a line and say hey and thank you guys for all the work that you do to keep the masses entertained. Um, and... I'm aware that this is kind of a special week. Um, I know that you're covering um, the MTV Movie Award for Best Villain from 2016, which happens to be the year that I won for my turn on the show, The Walking Dead, which is, of course, what most people would know me from. And I just wanted to call in and, and offer my perspective on that award and that role and all of that stuff. Um... You know, it's 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 tricky. I I um I am uh, first off, I want to say I am proud of that award. It's actually sitting here on my mantle. Um, I see it every night before I go to sleep. I give it a little kiss um, before I go to sleep, just because I'm so proud of that. Proud of the work. Um, the work is what it's really all about. Is the work. Um, but I also just felt like I needed to address something, and 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 I felt like your show was the place to do it. Um, I really regret the, the things that I did to win that award, specifically um, specifically killing Glenn with my baseball bat, Lucille, named after my dead wife, um, and the other guy, the guy with the red hair. I regret that, too. Um, it's, it's not really who I am anymore. I mean, I do still kill people with my baseball bat, but I don't just do it, you know, for fun. Well, sometimes if it's if if if, if I think they're not going to be missed, that then maybe I might go for it. But you know, I just the, the way I go about it is a lot different now, and I just I don't want audiences to be deterred from tuning into The Walking Dead: Dead City premiering on AMC in June. Uh, t- date official date TBD June though. You can count on it being June. But I want people to watch the show, and I want people to know that. Negan is cool. Negan is a cool guy, and and Negan is... Sorry, I'm really nervous. Uh, this is... You guys are kind of heroes of mine, so just give me one second, please. Sorry, I had to take a big gulp of my big gulp. Oh, okay, that's a little better. Whew. Oh, man, God. Oh. All right, that's better. Anyway, um just wanted to, you know, I'm kicking off an apology tour of sorts, and, and this this felt like the place to start. 
I hope that this has been a, su- a sufficient enough apology. Um, I hope I don't sound too nervous. Like I said, big fan. Um, and gosh, what else? What else did I want to say? God. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's hard. It's it, it's hard leading the kind of life that I do. Um. It's that. Yeah, that's. The, 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 I I I would challenge anyone else to have done things differently. But I'm also sorry. So, hey. Alright, that's all I gotta say. Thank you guys so much. And uh, If you guys ever need a guest, um, hit me up. You know where to find me. Um, Negan, that's N-E-G-A-N, at N-E-G-A-N dot org. Negan at Negan dot org. Thanks, guys. Love you. Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast. Wait, MTV Movie and TV Awards podcast, where we look at all the various films and shows nominated for MTV Movie and TV Awards in their various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie and TV expert. And I'm Ben Craig, a foremost villainy and dirtbag expert. <laughs> <laughs> And today we're talking about um, Best Villain 2017. I don't know if I'm going to do TV every time. I think it's always good to do it the once, just uh, so everyone's like, oh, they've transitioned to the movie and TV category now. But Yeah, just so people know. I mean, next week there's only one TV show under Villain. So. Yeah, it's. I think 2021 is... Again, the really big TV year, but even that still has one movie. So, anyways, how you doing, Ben? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, yeah. No, I've been watch. Got to watch a lot of TV, a lot of movies. Um, yeah. It's weird that this is the this is the best kiss year with Moonlight and Mike and Dave did wedding dates. I was telling Simone about that yesterday. Um, about watching like all five of those at like two in the morning <laughs> and having the best experience with Mike and Dave need wedding dates ever. And then right after that, watching Moonlight. Oh, yeah. When you had been up for like 40 <laughs> hours or something. Just... <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, it was a rough one. But honestly, it led to a very, very, very fun uh, viewing experience. Right. I remember that. Well, I hope you didn't watch, like, all of these things one after another, especially because um, some of them are a lot longer than other ones. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I know this is the first sort of uh, toe dip into, like, having to watch a lot of TV. Um, before for Best Kiss, like, it was just pretty much the episode The Kiss took place in, but with Beth Villain, like, you gotta watch, at the very least, every episode with The Thing, and then... Even then, you might want to watch a couple more context ones. Uh, yeah, how much how much yeah. American Horror Story did you watch of that season? Uh, well, I watched the whole season of American Horror Story, which uh, I guess when we get into it, that that was maybe, like, I didn't need to. Yeah, um, you definitely didn't need to, and I think I mentioned that, but kind of wanted to. Just... Oh, yeah, no, that was definitely one I had, like, a lot of fun with, like, when I well, I guess we'll get to it when we actually talk about it. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at this list, and I can't believe I never clocked before that. Like, Family Guy is under best comedic performance. I wonder if it's check to see um, if that's I guess, real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's 
That is a strange one. Um, it might not be real, uh, but it would fit. It is a TV show, but yeah, it'd be funny. Imagine <laughs> nominating like Seth MacFarlane for Family Guy for Best Comedic Performance in the Year of Our Lord 2017. Like, um... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so of course the 2017 MTV Movie and TV Awards were held on May 7th. It was the first time that television was presented as well as cinema. Also the first time that men and women competed to jointly in the acting category since 2007. Um, you know, ahead of the old Oscars there with just doing uh, best performance instead of... Or, well, I guess they... Well, they just kind of go for the best actor in the gender-neutral sense. Um, yeah, it was hosted by... Adam Devine, um, trying to think, because Pitch Perfect 2 is the year before. Um, this was, well, he was in Mike and Dave Need Wedding Day. Right. He was the Zach Efron second-hand man, you know. Yeah, Saffron wasn't available to co-host. <laughs> <laughs> His most famous role, of course, being, uh, Sam I Am from Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not sure, that probably wasn't out when this was no. a thing <laughs> it was yet. This is a couple <laughs> years away, um, maybe it was announced, uh, one of his better performances. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mark Wahlberg presented an exclusive clip from Transformers: The Last Night, an insane movie. Um, I think I've only ever seen like the first, maybe I've seen the first two Transformers. I saw a bit of the third before sneaking out and then watching The Hangover instead. Um, and then one night when I was hanging out with my friends, they put on Transformers: The Last Night, and it's just a really insane one. I'm not sure if that's the one. That has, like, I'm trying to think, is that the one that has, like, the guy that carries around the piece of paper that has, like, the Romeo and Juliet laws written on it? That might be the one right before. Yeah, I, that, I believe that's Age of Extinction. Um, it's, yeah. the Transformers movie's definitely more interesting <laughs> than people give him credit for. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I think the Wahlberg one... ones are pretty good. But last night is... Cr- Last night's the one where it's revealed Earth is like a sleeping <laughs> robot. <laughs> yeah, it also has Mark Wahlberg like clashing swords with a giant transformer. Yeah, it's like, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah, they're silly. I definitely want to give them a watch. Maybe finally give Transformers 3 justice. Hopefully I don't, you know, stop halfway through and just go watch a Hangover movie. They have a tearjerker category, which I wonder how many years they did that. It's funny that when you when you look at them, like a lot of them are obvious, but the winner is like "This Is Us" for, and I'm trying to think if I have that scene, but it just says Jack and Randall at karate, which unless you've seen "This Is Us," does not seem inherently <laughs> sad, especially considering that they also have like the Grey's Anatomy episode after like they killed off Patrick Dempsey, where where the Meredith has to tell their kids about it, like. Jesus, yeah, is, yeah, it doesn't seem like kind of seems weird off the outset <laughs> at karate. Also, truck to your jerker. Maybe that's like a short category we do one day. Oh, yeah, this was best fight against the system year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that it's. I looked at it and I was like, oh, that would have been such a fun like one-off category. But it, it looks like that one's just best fight renamed. Um. Yeah. Um. But still, still a neat one. That'll be a neat episode when we cover that category. Yeah. 
They also have Best Best American Story, which is mostly mostly TV shows. With yeah, that one. This definitely seems like uh, trying to remember. I'm like, what was going on in 2016 or 2017? They thought they'd have to make like a bunch of statements. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What could have possibly happened in 2016? Yeah. But a best American story of blackish, fresh off the boat, Jane the Virgin, Moonlight, and Transparent. Um, hmm. Just... <laughs> oh, this is one of those years where best musical moment is like really long, which is something I'd still like to figure out how oh, to yeah. cover one day, even though in some cases, like you literally probably would just have to watch like City of Stars instead of the whole thing. Yeah. Or... Yeah, you don't have to watch, like, the entire movie. But honestly, I'm looking at that list. Like, I might just want to watch all that movies. Yeah. Beauty and the um, Beast, Ariana Grande, and John Legend. <laughs> but that's literally just the credits. Like, that's, like, a best song. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Uh, Hairspray Live, Grease Live. Just... Yeah. Are those things I can watch anywhere? Yes. Yeah, they're... Definitely... Oh, Grease, I think... That... I think there's, I think there's a song from Grease Live that I really like. I think I recommended it once. Yeah, you can definitely find the clips. I want to think at least a couple of them, like Grease Live, might be on like Disney Plus or Crave or something. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But it looks like the MTV Generation Award went to the Fast and Furious franchise. Sure. Um, what? That usually that usually goes to like a person, right? Yeah. Usually it's like something <laughs> like, that was somebody important. Like Mike Myers or like Kevin Hart, I think, won it once. You, you think they'd have given it to like, I don't know, Paul Walker <laughs> posthumously or something? I just... Yeah, I guess maybe that's like their way of, maybe that was their way of doing it. Yeah. Without giving it like directly to him. I am now, I am now reading, yeah, or an article about this where they're like, yeah, the Generation Award has for 25 years been handed to an actor for a body of work that speaks directly to the MTV audience. Past recipients, of course, included Will Smith, Reese Witherspoon, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Wahlberg, Sandra Bullock, Jamie Foxx, Johnny Depp, Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, Mike Myers, Tom Cruise, and Jim Carrey. So, yeah, it's weird that they gave it to, like, a franchise, but... <laughs> very strange it's gonna be strange next year if they just go back to giving it to a person yeah we're gonna have to keep an eye on that <laughs> oh and maybe this was around the time when fate of the furious was out because they were performing the first time a song featured in the fate of the furious entitled hey ma <laughs> anyways it, i think we can probably start to get into it so for best villain the nominees are Wes Bentley, American Horror Story, Roanoke, Mark Seeger, Stranger Things, Jared Leto, Suicide Squad, Allison Williams, Get Out, and the winner, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, The Walking Dead. <laughs> so, so, wait, how much Walking Dead did you watch? Yeah. Or I guess have you seen in total? Um, so before this, when The Walking Dead started, I was kind of familiar with the comic series that this was, like, based on, and I was like, oh yeah, this would be a good opportunity to, like, watch this show. So I watched, I think, a bit of season one, 
cannot really, like, get into it. Then I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just start over. Season 2. Then I watched a bit of Season 2. Season 2 largely set at a farm the entire time. Um, I think considered one of the worst of the early seasons. Yeah, because yeah. if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, uh, what essentially, like, the first season was, like, great, like, did amazing. And then when they did the second season, they're like, let's double the episodes, half the budget, and fire the director. And then that's how season two came to be. Yeah, um, Walking Dead originally <laughs> overseen by... It went through a few different showrunners in its first couple se- seasons. By season seven, it's being run by Scott Gimple, who had it for years. Um, but it was originally overseen by like the director of Shawshank Redemption, Frank Darabont. And then... Yeah, it changed for season two, and then season three, maybe I tried to start that again and just kind of fell off, and then I'm like, you know what, I'll get into Fear the Walking Dead, which was like the first of the spinoffs, and I got through, I think, most of the first season of that, but it's I've never really had a good sticking point with this fr- franchise, like, even in the years where it's supposed to be good, and season seven... Um, if I'm, like, remembering right in, like, articles, because the flagship show kind of ended la- a c- couple months ago. Um, it is, l- it is living on through spinoffs. Um, s- a couple of those spinoffs are also, like, about to end, but there's going to be more spinoffs, including a spinoff focused on uh, the object of this Negan, but... Even at, like, the height of it, Walking Dead was never a thing where, you know, I never got that into it. It just seemed like a big commitment. Also, my understanding with the show and the comic was it was just something that was just nihilism and the same kind of themes of you gotta make hard choices to survive over and over and over. And I'm like, that doesn't sound that appealing. And then... So, for this show, the approach was, I knew Negan um, memorably shows up at the, the end of season six, which was an uh, adaptation of his first appearance in the comics, Walking Dead 100, which I knew about because that was a big deal at the time where they're like, yeah, the 100th issue introduced this big crazy villain and then he just killed one of the characters with a bat? So... <laughs> Uh, so I watched that, and then I'm and then I'm like, yeah, I'll just watch as many of like Negan episodes as I can, and then a lot of them were like an hour long, and by like I think the third one, which is the one where he visits kind of the town for the first time, I'm like, I think I know everything I need to know about why he was nominated and why he won and what this performance was. So then I. And so then I just kind of read summaries of the rest, but also, despite having never seen the show, I'm very aware of stuff that happens on the show, including the fact that Negan eventually becomes kind of an anti-hero, almost protagonist of the series. Um, Ooh, I actually did not know that. Um, Yeah, because, well, I watched every single episode of season seven and yeah once you told me that i'm like great i don't have to watch anymore yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah so like 
kind of on the offset, I had the lofty goal of like, I'm going to watch every episode uh, up to the season of like discussion for this podcast. And like, honestly, not that hard to do except for the walking dead. Cause it, it's the nominated one is season seven. Um, I stand by that. I could probably have done it um, if it was like a really good show. Um, but I really like season one. Season one's like really like solid. It's just very like tight. And like, it's only what, like only like six episodes. Yeah. And kind of in contrast with season two, like I feel like every episode, they're somewhere different. Like the first episode is really, really good. Just like um, Rick Grimes, like waking up and just like to everything is just really solid and well done. And then like, they go from like you know like on the road to being like in this big city to being at like this like science facility underground that blows up at the end like i think there's so much happens and then yeah like i think i got like three episodes into season two and the only reason like i kept going is because like I, I think i was hooked when when the kid got shot i was like oh geez i gotta keep watching um and but even that uh was not enough to keep me going uh eventually i just sort of fell off on that um you know um season seven um introduces a lot of stuff that i seems odd to like introduce all at once um because it is the introduction of negan but it's also the introduction i think um i'm pretty sure it's the introduction because i watched a couple recap videos and none of them covered this in the previous seasons of like the community that works like like kind of like a monarch like they have like a king and a tiger um which is cool uh but probably like needed a little bit of breathing room (laughs) in this like zombie apocalypse show probably could have used a little bit of easing into that oh i thought some of that had been introduced in the season before (laughs) maybe maybe it is and maybe it's just not covered because i watched like i think like a couple recap videos um one of which got the order of events in season seven a little wrong was it chronologically correct or just uh no that's where it wasn't correct it was every i think all factually it was correct i think they just got the order wrong i think they i think they said the part where carl sneaks into negan's face i think they said that happened way later than it actually did but i'm honestly wasn't sure enough enough about that to call it out because <laughs> maybe i'm wrong i think yeah i think you are absolutely correct in that it, as far as season seven is concerned um negan does not change at all like he's he's the exact same character in like the his introduction that he is like there's like a small scene um kind of right literally in like the last episode where he's like um he's like about to hit Carl with a baseball bat um, because they try this like big, this big surprise and they get like, there's like five different double crosses. Um, And there's a part where Rick Grimes just says something like, like, you know, like, I don't care what you do. Like you're already dead. Um, And there's like a moment where like, he has like a, like a decent chunk of fear in his face, which is just not seen at any other point. Um, And that's kind of neat. But other than that, he's very much like, um, very much who he is in like the first scene which is just like very like not even really like unhinged like pretty like just cruel like not like crazy just very like cruel and like 
sort of has his system of like there must be punishment and then like kind of very much lives by that um uh one second i have to check something really quick because i want to see for the actor okay cool um yeah because i noticed one of his lackeys like uh simon played by Stephen Ogg. um I would have liked to see him in, in the Negan role, honestly. I like him a little more. I think he, like, I think he would have, I don't know if he would have done a better job, but I think I would have preferred it. Because um, I feel like he can just, I feel like he could have maybe, I think he could have sold a little more of, like, a menacing one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking at a lot of stuff now to, just, just to make sure my cultural perception of Negan, Negan isn't off. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. I'll say, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan a lot. Um, someone who, before, actually, I'm not going to say he was best known for Grey's Anatomy before this, but he did have like a pretty memorable arc in like one of the early seasons of Grey's Anatomy as the as this, yeah, as Denny Duquette, who was like a, tra- yeah, Basically, this transplant patient or this chronic patient who falls in love with like one of the interns and then who then goes through like basically crosses a lot of ethical boundaries to kind of get him a new heart, but then he dies anyways, and it's really good. Um, but then he was so popular, they brought him back as a ghost for an arc. I'm just. <laughs> I can see why you say that maybe someone else would have a bit. Maybe make it a bit more yeah. sustainable because I, I think it might just be, I think I just have like a bias because like I just like that actor a little more. Um, <laughs> I think he did like a pretty he did a pretty decent job. Um, yeah, uh, I also um, it was on sale, so I did buy Tekken Seven as long as as well as like the Negan DLC. Um, I played a couple matches with him. Uh, but then I got sucked in by the bowling mini game, so I just played that for way longer than I played the actual game. And he's got pretty pretty good stats there. Um, that was actually before I watched most of The Walking Dead, so I didn't I didn't catch any of the references he was making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, season seven. I don't know. It's hard to say. I would say I didn't have a bad time with it. I feel like there's definitely it's tough to say because like I'm kind of dropping in the middle and I'm not sure I feel like when the show's gone on this long you just sort of have a lot of characters that sort of need time to like do things um so like it's hard to be like oh they should have cut this or they should have trimmed down this where it's like hey what if that's like someone's favorite character though like you kind of want to give everyone their time and I think it does, I'm trying to think, I think it does a pretty decent job of, like, I don't feel like there were any episodes where, like, my time was all that wasted. Because it feels like everything kind of just does sort of come together at the end in a small way or a big way. Um, the tiger attacks one of Negan's men. Um, luckily, Simon survives, so I'm happy about that. Um, but yeah, like, that's like um so that's at least like paid off a little bit uh did you how many wait how many uh did you ever see the like the night 
gang while you were watching? Or were those kind of in the other episodes? Those might have been in the other episodes. Also, again, I did not get particularly far. Like, I try. Like, I make an effort, but there's some times where I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I hit my limit. To be fair, it's not just a me thing. Um, Pretty famously, The Walking Dead was a massive television phenomenon, was getting, like, tens of millions of viewers on a cable network, which is, like, doing exceptionally well. And the season 7 premiere, where, like, Negan kills Glenn and Abraham, like, I think that was the other guy, got, like, 17 million viewers, and then the next episode immediately got 12 million. Um, and then continue to kind of lower throughout so it is sort of a thing with this character and i remember that was kind of almost a comic thing as well uh as like the negon arc in the comics um lasts i think a fair chunk of time like they split it up over two seasons and then he's still kind of around in in things because like see yeah yeah well yeah because um I kind of was to get like a grasp of like if I needed to cut out episodes like which ones would I cut out I was like I kind of went to like the wikia page um to kind of see like oh what's like his first appearance and, like what's his last appearance and his last appearance is like like in like one of like the is like in like one of the later seasons I'm like oh this guy sticks around I guess <laughs> yeah no Negan he again he is spinning off like he and the character of Maggie, who is, like, the w- wife of Glenn, are going to New York for, like, a spinoff show. Um, <laughs> yeah. W- oh. But it is sort of a thing with this season that the character was just so kind of over the top and dominating everything. And I think, like, one of the executives eventually was like, yeah, the Negon stuff, I think, like just felt a bit too hopeless for the season because i also i don't know at what point that it changes but a lot of the arc seems to be that he comes in he breaks the spirit of the hero and then the whole season just seemed like it was a thing of oh this is how they get the spirit to fight back which in theory like could be a good idea if you're you know maybe doing that over like I don't know, six to eight episodes, but when it's 16 episodes long, that is a lot of misery to have to just sit through. (laughs) It is. Um, I would say, I would say it's hard to say if it's, if it's worth it in like a genuine sense or it's worth it in like a Stockholm syndrome sense, considering that like I watched so much of it, but like, it is kind of nice. The one, so like my two things about Negan is that one, I think, He's, like, the problem is that, like, at least early on, sort of after he does, like, the really, the big bad thing, like, killing two people. After that, he, like, it kind of, like, simmers down a little bit. And I think it's it's weird because, like, the problem, the way I feel about him, at least, like, in the first little bit, it's less soul-crushing. And it's more, I feel about him the same way that I feel about, like, like megan in drake and josh um where i'm just upset because like you shouldn't win all the time um <laughs> um uh and then so like 
And I feel like the intent was to be a little more menacing than that, but maybe that's exactly the kind of vibe they were going for. This is just someone that just, it's not fair that they're winning, but they are, and it just sucks. And I think, I think what you said was kind of important that like, I feel like it probably would have been better if it was a little tighter in that like, maybe you have like a solid like six or eight episodes where like, like most of them can be misery. And then like the last couple, they can like finally like rise up and beat them. But like, there's so much there's like, I want to say 12 episodes where Negan is doing nothing but horrible things and winning all the time. And just like everyone is rolling over and showing their belly. Much um, like Megan on Drake and Josh. <laughs> yeah. Just like Megan on Drake and Josh. Um, uh, and then I, what was it? I think my second thing is that like, I, and I think the show, I think, I don't know if it does a better job or I just, I learned to accept it um as just part of the universe just because of how much it happens repeatedly but like i feel like they would have done it i wish they did a better job of like of like establishing like why he's able to do this because it seems like nobody he interacts with is having a good time and like i think it would have been it should there should have been at least like one community that is like like yeah this sucks but like we're so much safer now (laughs) like like it is the alternative is like Cause like um, cause like a uh, a neat. I think I've made this analogy before, but sort of like um, there's like one faction in Fallout New Vegas called the Legion, and it's like they're horrible, like they're murderers, like they crucify people, um, but like you talk to people and it's like it's like yeah, this stuff is bad, but like these areas are very safe if you do what they do, and like everywhere else is like really dangerous, um, like sort of like their other their enemy group is like the ncr and like they're sort of a little more like caesar's legion is modeled after like roman soldiers and then the ncr is modeled more after like america and like their government so naturally like they're much slower to response they're underfunded and like everything's not great whereas like legion like they do horrible things but like the areas they're in are super safe um and it's like that's sort of like the kind of trade-off, I guess. And I feel like I wish this show or wish this season did a better job of being like, like this, like because it feels like every community Negan interacts with, it's like he's just asking to be overthrown, <laughs> like he's just doing nothing in his favor to like make it so these people are not going to just revolt, <laughs> which I guess is kind of the point. But it would have been like you know when we talked about um, the Hunger Games, and it's like there's sort of that thing where like you have to give them just enough hope that they don't revolt i wish there was a little more of that yeah and i think the later seasons get a bit more into his backstory and where he came from um if my memory serves there's a thing where pre-apocalypse he plays a lot of skyrim (laughs) (laughs) what is that there's like a season 10 episode that's all about kind of his backstory and the original Lucille and I'm pretty sure it involves Skyrim either that or Jack has been lying to me but um... I I believe it um yeah uh (laughs) yeah oh but yeah like um but I think like all in all I can see why this got picked like um like he's I feel like he's a memorable character. Yeah, he's got he's got like Lucille, like having like a signature weapon with like a name is really good. Kind of like the trident um, in Hunger Games, um, uh, Mockingjay Part One, whichever one we watched. 
Um, yeah, and like he kind of does drop it, but having like the red handkerchief is just a nice piece of like it's just a nice piece of like visual flair, which is very very good. Um, like I also like I knew that he. I knew that he like killed a very important character, um, but like when like I watched it, I think I watched like because I think the season six ends and you don't know who he hit, and then season one or season seven opens up and like I was like oh, okay he killed the guy that like I don't even know like I don't even know this character Abraham like he must have been introduced in the last season, and I'm like oh that's like that's like it's like a neat like storytelling device of like okay this guy's not messing around but like i don't personally care um and then he killed glenn and i'm like oh no i personally care now like that's a character that i know and i like um yeah which is like that's that's like not i'll I'll give the show credit like that's not an easy decision to make like that's very like you're trading a lot of your chips for that um and which was like i yeah glenn specifically i think was a bridge too far for a lot of people even though like in the comics, that is what happens. Like, he, he... Actually, an important thing to note is, in the comics, it is just Glenn who dies at the end of his, like, big sort of speech. And then, what this t- show did, and I feel like Glenn gets in a couple more, like... There is something about how, oh, he... There is something where he basically hid in a dumpster during, like, a pole walker attack and then kind of survive and people are like oh maybe they're not gonna kill glenn and then i don't know if you watch the ending of season six which is kind of negan's big introduction but yeah yeah i did but just sort of the cliffhanger thing where everyone's like wait so is it gonna be someone else just because the setup is who did he get and then it's also drawn out and then i think when people are like okay it's abraham and everyone's like oh okay so it was different but then he goes and kills Glenn anyways. I think that's where oh, like yeah. people like were kind of getting upset. Where you're like, <laughs> no, you're you're doing too much now. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I, but I think that's like I that is upsetting. But it's also like I feel like it would have been so lame if it's like this character that we introduced no less than like seven episodes. I don't know if that's true with Abraham, but like definitely like a recent character. It's like oh, okay, like they haven't gotten established so like it's not an easy choice um that's also like that's something neat about negan's character that i think like i think really works in this setting is that like there there are certain times where he's like i'm not going to punish the person that did it i'm just going to punish the people they actually like enjoy because like this this show is full of like like self-sacrificial like people anyway so like of course they're gonna like stand strong but not if you're gonna go for somebody else that's a little more vulnerable uh, abraham was introduced in the fourth season of the walking dead oh never mind that they they killed two almost legacy characters at this point yeah. god damn he also looks he also looks cool he had a nice handlebar mustache so that was enough for me to be mildly upset but yeah i will say when it goes to, like, TV villains, and ultimately, I do understand and probably even agree with, like, the ne- Negan win here. Like, TV villains, I think, you do have to try really hard for them to be particularly memorable, especially if they're supposed to hold attention. And even though it does just seem from everything I've, like, read and seen that Negan became a character that maybe people got a little too attached to, like at least in terms of the writers of 
ah, oh, here's this, like, big, larger-than-life villain who we can just make do horrible stuff all the time. Like, you do kind <laughs> of... Yeah, yeah. You do kind of get why people are like, yeah, no, this is the best villain of the year. Um, yeah, and, like, I feel like... Um, I can't speak from direct experience, but from watching a couple recaps, it probably was, like, nice to get a villain that's like, hey, like, I'm a bad guy, I'm gonna do horrible things, because it felt like, like, 90% of the villains leading up to this were like, I'm a really nice leader of this community. We don't do anything horrible behind the scenes. Um, and then they turn it like it felt like there was just a lot of like twist villains leading up to this, like in the previous seasons or like people like lying or like people doing that. And I feel like it must it might have been a little nice to just have a character that's just like upfront and honest about everything. Yeah, no, I could see that. Um, do we have anything else to say on The Walking Dead? Um, no. Um, yeah. Uh, as much as I would like to have seen uh, Stephen Ogg as that role, I'm glad that he's still, like, there and, like, he's still, like, one of the right-hand mans. Um, really liked him. But also, Jeffrey Dean Morgan also did just a fantastic job. Um, yeah. Uh, really good. Yeah. And now we'll never have to uh, hear from Negan again or... Here's some kind of apology <laughs> video from him. Definitely not. Exactly. Not teasing, no teeing up how. anything for later. Just... <laughs> or for right now. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, so we can probably move on to American Horror Story Roanoke, which yeah, I gotta say, if you were to rank all the villains or like villain like both realistically and conceptually both murderous ghosts and like just amoral producers i think wes bentley's character would be near the very bottom of the list to the point where i'm very confused why he was the one and not like say kathy bates or yeah or like literally anybody um if it was like cheyenne yeah, jackson who's in two <laughs> episodes i'd go yeah that makes sense his character's awful like it's <laughs> um yeah like so like okay so we usually there's usually an implicit spoiler warning in front of um like all of these ones but i i, I think this is one where i do want to fully recommend um if you have any care about this at all like go watch it now because there is like it's not really a twist but there is like an episode six like re recontextualization yeah. um and like kind of like a turn that's like really neat and i don't know if it will it will hit the same if you hear us like talk about it first yeah so, the like, joy of roanoke is in kind yeah. of its structure yeah and you know what i i feel so passionately about that that i'm when i'm editing it i'm gonna add a little audio here that will let you know what timestamp to jump to to cut to our stranger things talk um because like this is a really i'm really glad that i watch all of this at normal speed because i couldn't find a way to speed it up on crave <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah like i don't want i want if i want people to have the option a convenient option to skip ahead and like watch this on their own time um yeah so that being said from from this point on, there are going to be huge spoilers for the for the whole season six of American Horror Story. Um, yeah, so I didn't love 
the first five episodes of this show. <laughs> um, I had never seen American Horror Story, like any episodes before. So I just assumed that the framing device of it was just, this was just the, how the show worked. And that's not true, correct? Yes, very much not true. <laughs> American yeah. Horror Story is an anthology show created by Ryan Murphy of like Glee, Glee fame, um, where the idea is each season looks at, has a different theme or a different like location or concept that then in looks over like some kind of concept of, you know, there'll be monsters or murderers or something, but then also some kind of implicit critique of society, whether it's like, oh, the nuclear family or, uh, I think the season that's universally considered to be the best one is kind of its second. It's like, uh, it's called Asylum and it's like set in the fifties and it's basically a bunch of people who, you, you know, some of, one of whom actually does appear at the end of this season of Lana Winters, yeah. But who I but but basically it's a thing on like the people who are like has a society like gay people and other people with illnesses and kind of the inhumane treatment they suffered at like asylums. Then season three is about witches. Season four is there's like a circus or like a freak show. Season five is at like a serial killer hotel, I think. And then this is season six, which, yeah, initially, and this was a season where they told no one, well, beforehand, they were really secretive over what it was going to be about, other than, like, who kind of the cast was. So it was a lot of yeah. surprise at first when it seemed to be just uh, <laughs> found footage, like, reenactment things of just, like, a horror story involving the Lost Roanoke Colony. Yeah, and, like... So, like, yeah, when I'm watching this, my first thought, because I, I do no research before I watch any of this, is, like, my first thought was, like, I knew it was an anthology show, but in my head, I was like, oh, so each episode is a different thing, um, which was not true. Um, so, yeah, so, like, the first five episodes of this are sort of, like, the Roanoke, like, um, sort of, like, reenactment, retelling of the story. And then in, like, episode six, it sort of, like, shifts to, like, the universe in which that show like was made and then like oh we need to make a season two um and then it's like that for the next episode and then i if i'm not mistaken i think there is like i think everything except for like the last 10 minutes is like there's like it it's like an in-universe footage of something whether it's like shows or like found footage like stuff off like the internet i think everything except for the last 10 minutes has some form of framing device like that yeah which which i think is a really smart choice and yeah and then it becomes kind of a statement on kind of media culture and reality television and how how and how kind of exploitative that can be of like real people's stories and how you know we get obsessed with like these kind of larger than life figures and these people who are like well they're obvious like murderers even if they might be more complicated or uh, sympathetic than we like to like to see. And yeah, yeah, because yeah, the first five is just literally like my Roanoke nightmare. And then episode six, it's really, it's really funny. Like it's, it's a lot of like specific TV stuff where they say this show is so popular. 
its finale got 23 million viewers and outgrossed <laughs> like that week's episode of The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and just everything that was there on the time, which is a really good bit. And then <laughs> the next four are presented as Return to Roanoke, which is more of a found footage because they they reveal, you, you know, the whole setup is that's the producer going, oh, keep rolling, we're going to show everything, we're going to get everything, and his plan to bring kind of all the cast, or many of the cast members, and then it becomes a joke in the later episodes of which people were not invited back. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like, so is, is Ambrose White, is that, like, a character that, like, is in other seasons of American Horror Story? No, it's like just that's what just, makes it. That's what makes it weird. Yeah. Like, I, I thought like maybe if this was like a legacy sort of cameo like character that like spans all the different anthologies, yeah. but like Wes Bentley like, has been in other seasons <laughs> of the show. Uh, Ryan Murphy has his little troupe of actors, and one of the things for each show is who comes back, like Sarah Paulson often in it um mm-hmm. kathy bates was kind of a recent addition uh, evan peters oh like he likes to pop, pop up a lot um yeah because like yeah um for those yeah for those who didn't heed our spoiler warning um like in this show like half of the cast um for like the first five episodes are characters playing characters um and Wes Bentley is playing just a guy named Dylan who's playing Ambrose White yeah um who even in universe is not that important like when Dylan shows up there's like who's this he's like he was one of the butcher's (laughs) kids like yeah I thought like he was gonna be have a way bigger role considering he got nominated like like not only is like Kathy Bates like good as like the in universe in universe the butcher, but she's also like a good villain as like the in universe um, Ainsmary Winstead. Like, like they're already like they're just, and then like I thought I my thought was like okay maybe he's gonna come back as Dylan and like be evil or something, but no he like. He just dies, like, within the episode that he comes in on. <laughs> yeah, because... Like, really soon. Yeah, because I am to talk a bit about the structure, and hopefully you have watched the show. About halfway through, you know, it's them, like, talking about season two, but then about two-thirds of the way through that initial episode, you then get a title card that says, every, every like, cast and crew member involved in the production of this show died except for one person this this is not the intended season this is what we assembled from like basically all the footage that was there because both the house was rigged with cameras and then he gave everyone special cell phones and encouraged them to record everything because the idea is oh yeah it's gonna be like full reality also he the producer full-on does not believe in any of the ghosts which (laughs) proves to be their like or un- undoing, though, actually his undoing is telling the ac- actor who got way too method into her role as the butcher, and to the point where she was kind of unstable, that she was banned from showing up, 
in the hopes that she would show up anyways, but then, of course, when she does show up, she just murders the whole production crew. Which, yeah. Which is both a good <laughs> twist, because they set it up where you're like, oh, he's going to be the big villain, and then also just makes sense from a logical <laughs> point, because, of course, they would call it off immediately as soon as, like, people started dying. Like... Oh, yeah, like, he's, yeah, it's, like, it makes a lot, like, yeah, I feel like the show, like, despite having, like, it's, like, it's kind of, it's silly when you think about it, but, like, I think it does a good job of, like, justifying, like, why characters are still filming, and I feel like a lot of, like, the motivation from at least, like, the, the initial, like, the actual, quote-unquote, real people, um, is that, like, we need to, like, we need to get footage that people, like, know what's happening so people can stop coming here, (laughs) Yeah, it's a rare found um, footage thing where it does seem kind of justified the whole time. And in those points where, like, you know, in a way the camera almost becomes, like, one of one of the villains. Like, there is that scene, like, right before the Kathy Bates character dies where they're like, wait, why is she still filming this? Where they are, like, it's the characters wondering what's going on. And then when she's <laughs> killed by the actual butcher, she's like, I'm so sorry, I just wanted to be on TV, which... <laughs> yeah oh man yeah it's so strange that like the actual like real real butchers in like one scene um which is just yeah this whole is a very neat season i feel like it was i think it like tried something very very strange and i think it surprisingly worked i think the weakest part is just that like the first five episodes are like i think in an attempt to mimic this style of TV. They did it too good of a job uh, because I don't really like that style of TV. I think it's kind of boring. Yeah, and it felt like it's just like... And I, I'll be honest, like, I'll... I'm happy because it means that the last couple episodes get to be a little bit tighter and don't get to be as drawn out, um, which is nice. Uh, but it definitely, like... I felt like there was just a lot of stuff in those first five episodes that, like, it just felt a bit bit much yeah um considering like how much the rest is like we only get half an episode or not we only get like a third of an episode dedicated to the fake ghost show um (laughs) like ghost seekers or something whatever it's called yeah it is like an interesting thing where it's like the first half of the season also american horror story was known for like over being so over the top so when this started everyone's like oh this is weirdly subdued for them. Like, I'll say the weakest part of the season for me probably was the stuff with the cannibal family, which is, I believe, more classical American horror story stuff where they're like, look at all this, like, gratuitous violence and misery that, like, the, you know, almost like torture porn that you kind of have to sit through in those episodes where, like, they're literally just chopping parts off, like, uh, Lee's body, where you're like, ah, oh, this is unpleasant. But even them, yeah. like, it becomes a thing where they're like, we gotta do our story. Like, we got our kids taken away. And, like, considering that they were actual cannibals, you're like, no, no, it's. You, you get it. You, you get what. Like, you don't feel too bad for them, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I. My. In my head. My thought was that um, that there was going to be nothing supernatural about it at all. Um, 
that it was just going to be like just like Kathy Bates and the cannibal family were just going to be sort of and also um which actor which one plays the actual okay um Ada Porter uh Adina, Adina Porter. Porter yeah she plays the actual she plays like the one survivor like the actual Lee Harris yeah like uh oh god I lost my train of thought entirely um yeah um but then what would you do with Lady Gaga who plays like <laughs> it's like the Scothash like I, I really just did not catch the name of this old god entity who really is like the overarching villain but just shows up in a few scenes to like sleep with one of the characters and also yeah. feed other ones hearts that like let them like, or temporarily oh possess them <laughs> listen like that's the thing is that like i feel like this had the perfect setup to to have the twist that there's nothing supernatural happening because like you have the scene where the husband like goes into the woods and like has sex with a woman and then comes back and goes i didn't remember anything i i don't even know what happened and it's like that's just asking to be just like he's lying of course yeah um and it is interesting when they kind of go back. Oh, yeah, because another thing about the structure is it's presented as the story of this couple, and then ultimately it's the story of the guy's, like, sister. But And the couple, like, both of them, like, get killed, like, pretty quickly in the thing, but, like, he gets killed by, like, the, the wife, and he's like, I, I went back for her. I wanted to, like, see her again. I wanted to sleep with her again. Like... <laughs> Wes Bentley, like... I wonder if it's just because he's in other seasons and like maybe they they really maybe he does a really good villain performance in another season and they just thought of like oh let's just carry it over um because like he is he is the worst he is probably the worst villain out of all the out of like half the cast which is like arguably villains in this season I mean the butcher but or like the the entity like the savage entity but he does kind of like it is sort of thing where you're like oh yeah puritan society led to this like you can kind of see it in that case but it's really only one episode and then he's like subservient to his mom like yeah he's pretty much yeah he's pretty much just like a background person for most of it and he kind of helps them get away but yeah it's just like yeah it's very very strange um yeah so, yeah, yeah it's it's very very weird pick but you know what very good show yeah. glad i watched it all the way through yeah baffling nomination we're glad we got to like watch all of all of this um i don't know if i'll ever watch another full season of this beyond the only other season of the show i got through a fair bit of was the following season American Horror Story Cult, which was based on the election of Donald Trump. Um, but yeah, I saw the description and I watched. I like skimmed around the first episode. Um, yeah. yeah, it looked neat. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, but hmm. if we don't have anything else to say on this, um, I think I think like it's our enthusiasm for it is pretty apparent. Yeah. <laughs> then we can move on to Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched so I did I watched all of 
season one, which I hopefully was the right thing to watch. Yes, that is um, the Demogorgon season. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched like the first three episodes like a couple months ago. Um, and then I watched like the rest uh, a couple nights ago. Um, just like binge through the rest you of it. You were so them. upset at what happened to Barb. You needed to take a break. <laughs> I needed to. I needed justice for Barb. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, I think it's. I think it's pretty, um, pretty good. I think my one thing about this show, and I feel like, also The Walking Dead, and then maybe also American Horror Story, is that like, I really. I don't know it's as like a whole as the as their entirety i think i had a generally good time with all three of those but like episodes didn't really stand out um they all just sort of like blended together which i guess is like the format like stranger things is like a netflix show it's supposed to be sort of binged one after the other but like like i if you were to give me like a scene um like from any of the shows i could not tell you for the life of me which episode that took place in or like other things that happened that episode um and i guess that's more of like a that's more of like a thing that's more of like a a thing of like sitcoms where like an episode is about a thing um but i kind of like it i i i guess i'm really just my criticism is that i wish every episode was so good it stood out which is like i guess my criticism is just i wish it was a little better um but I think, like, as a whole, it's really nice. Um, but every episode does kind of, like, blend together a little bit. Yeah, and you have stumbled into one of the great debates of the streaming age, uh, especially for Netflix shows, which is how, like, should stuff be more, like, eight-hour movies, or should it be more episodic? And there was an era where everything, of course, is focused on being, like, super serialized and really kind of blending together, and... Also, everything dropped at once, and now, increasingly, uh, not as much from Netflix, though they are getting a bit better at this than people like to say, but in other streaming services that have also just started releasing stuff weekly instead of all at, all at the same time, where there does seem to be kind of a like push more in the direction of, let's have interesting episodes, let's have some kind of structure, let's have it so they all don't just blend together. Um which, yeah, and I think yeah. that's sort of the nature of, like, every... I think, like, every episode leaves on some kind of cliffhanger, almost. Where, like, every episode, like... Which is, like, it's neat. It makes, like, it makes it, like... It's formatted to make you want to watch the next episode. But yeah. it just leaves, like... It leaves every episode feeling, un, like, not super satisfying. Yeah. Um, like, even, like, the la- even the last episode. Because it also ends on, like, sort of, like, a dangling things for the next season. Um, yeah. I will say Stranger Things, I think, is one of the kind of the better, like, executions, at least this first season, of that thing. And it avoids kind of having a lot of, like, streaming bloat, which, because that became part of the thing of Netflix, too. It's these sort of shapeless episodes that also weren't advancing stuff and didn't even have episodic components, so you could get some sense of, like, satisfaction, um... And, oh yeah yeah, yeah at the very you're... least yeah sorry go on. oh no you can go on and then I'll... yeah i would say yeah i'd say at the very least like in every stranger six or stranger things episode like something happens and like things move in some direction um whether it's like characters like kind of coming together and sharing information of some kind 
Um, like I never, I don't think I've ever like watched an episode that like this was like non-entertaining and it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's interesting because as Stranger Things become became more of like a big global phenomenon. Um, obviously they started packing stuff with more, maybe to its detriment. Like I love Stranger, I love Stranger Things. I'm a big fan of the fourth season, but the fourth season a lot of a lot of those episodes were famously really long to the point where the finale of season four is literally two and a half hours long. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Which for some people is, they're like, yeah, more of the same thing. And then, but for a lot of people, it's, uh, is this going any, like you, did this need to be this long? Did we really need all this stuff? And I'll say like, if I had a prediction for what's going to be on best villain, um, I would be uh, surprised if kind of season four's villain wasn't there and you, we didn't have to like watch through that. And, but it's, I still enjoy it, but it's hard to argue that there isn't a couple subplots where you're like, we didn't need so much time in Russia. Um, hmm. Yeah. I've, as someone who's not seen it, I agree. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, so, like, the villain, um, I think this is one of our first, so, Mark Steger, I'm assuming, is he, like, the mocap guy for the Demigorgon? Yeah, um, interestingly, in the official MTV kind of nominations, they just nominated Demigorgon, so... Uh, props to whatever person on Wikipedia looked up the name of the actor doing the performance. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah, so I guess it's like an animated character that doesn't have a voice. Like but like the Yeah. But I guess if it was like a mocap person, that's a little bit easier to be like, this is like the person you can kind of put behind it. Whereas like with like the T Rex, it's like who should get credit for that. Um Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not super surprised. I felt like, I feel like the first season of a show is not going to show their monster a bunch, but like not a lot of Demigorgon action. Um, and it seems like most of the time it's around, it's like getting defeated, which like, I guess makes sense. It's like, this isn't like a, it's the show's like a little gruesome sometimes, I think, but like. I feel like maybe it would have behooved to have a little more, like a couple scenes where maybe the Demogorgon wins something. Because <laughs> um, it feels like the two the two major scenes with it is it getting caught in a bear trap and then it getting, uh, like, dusted by Eleven. Yeah. Um, I will say, and especially as the show goes on and you kind of explore the Upside Down now, like the the demigorgon increasingly you're like okay it it's sort of on the lower end of the major threats in there it's more like a it's like a wolf or something it's like yeah it's it's scary but it's like manageable yeah but i'll say for this that's kind of the vibe i got yeah i do think like it does kind of work as this sort of sort of constant sense of menace especially because you know you don't see as much but it does, like, kill Barb, and especially, like, because the kid performances are so good at selling, like, how young they are, and, like, 
like sort of innocence, you are very much concerned for Will. Um, a lot of the time he's down, mm-hmm. he's down there. Um, yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. One, of, I think one of my favorite scenes from this, and like I think what it like, um, was like right before I s- took a huge break from watching it, um, was the scene where only the actor who who plays Will's mom, Winona Ryder. Well, oh, Winona Ryder. Um, yeah, when she's um. When she's like setting up all of the lights, like frantically, like I don't know what it is. I just really like that whole that whole segment. Um, yeah, I really do. I like I like I kind of like the yeah, I kind of like the that whole thing of like it's very it's very obvious to everyone else that it's like this is just like a grieving mother, but like of course we know that there's actually stuff going on. Yeah, because I think this at least... is a really good conceit too, just as yeah. like a way to communicate. <laughs> yeah, and just like yeah, it's just like it was just I just I haven't watched it in like a really long time, but I just I remember feeling at the time I was like I really liked that scene. Yeah, yeah, and I'll say the design of the demigorgon, and you know it makes sense. You can't like show it a lot because I'm sure, well. Now, in the later seasons, of course, Stranger Things gets so much money to create so much, like, crazy stuff. And I'll say, even though, like, you eventually learn that, like, Demogorgon is just kind of, you know, as you say, kind of a wolf or operating under different stuff, it still feels like a threat most time, like, when it appears in later seasons. Um, Say in Russia, where the Russians have their own that's kind of, like... A cage somewhere, like <laughs> you get the sense that even though, yeah, a bunch of kids and teenagers are able to, like, you know, fight it off a lot until Eleven uses her powers, um, like, the, it is, you know, I think it works for this kind of show that is sort of evoking that kind of sort of classic 80s Amblin nostalgia type things. Um, I think it was, yeah, because they definitely. Yeah, they definitely didn't have the budget in this first season that they clearly would have like going on, like going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think they made like a couple smart choices that like I think like almost every like CGI movie does where it's like have it in like a darker scene. Um, I think like the choice this show made was like have the lights always flickering so that way that like they can't get a good look at the CGI model. Yeah. Um, cause when you can, it does, here's the thing is that like, it looks, I, everyone knows my stance of like, I don't care if it looks real. I want it to look cool. Um, you know, whether it's the Demigorgon or Modok. Yeah. I think this does, this does like, uh, look very, very cool. Um, I'm not sure. Did you ever, did you ever see the movie, uh, Bird Box? I don't think I saw that one. Yeah. I think minor spoilers for bird box um i don't you never see the monster which i think is a really good choice uh because it leaked like what the monster actually looked like and it was just very stupid looking (laughs) um i think i was aware of that yeah there are times where it is good to just never really show yeah and i think this show does like a pretty good job of like being very sparing with it so that way when it does show up like it is very like tense and scary yeah for sure yeah it is also interesting kind of you know rewatching some of these like er, early episodes because 
like it is hard to kind of describe unless you were there but this was a show that kind of just came out of nowhere and i remember seeing a couple reviews and we were at camp and like huh maybe i should check that out and then literally like by the next time i was home like everyone was talking about it um my dad who does not watch a lot of things watched a fair bit of stranger things and then kind of fell off at season three and now he mainly just watches the enola holmes movies which millie bobby brown also did but like it's <laughs> but it was like the show you know it was one of those shows that was so big where you know where even like my my dad who you know when i was talking last week he's like yeah i think i saw one movie in theaters last year and it was ticket to paradise like you know <laughs> well and then of course enola holmes too but that wasn't in theaters but like even he was like went to like check it out and obviously we've got you know such great talent has been discovered from that like prank encounters gaden Matarazzo, like you know like david harbour's career clearly takes off like finn wolfhard millie bobby brown like uh, she's not in this season mm. but sadie sink in like the later later seasons kind of um joe keery who plays steve and it's also really funny just that Steve becomes such a popular character because he's such a dick in this season. Like, oh yeah, he like he just he definitely gives off the energy of like, oh, this is like the bully character that's not gonna show up next season because he's just sort of there to antagonize the like the one of the protagonists. But from what I've seen, like he just becomes like one of the gang later on. Yeah, he and Dustin develop a really nice friendship, and he he does prominently feature in like that best kit kiss season two episode we watched where he fights off and the next bully the dr montgomery character um but yeah steve's character development's really like gratifying um mm -hmm. yeah. so do we have any more things to say on stranger things uh no um yeah now time to cover uh you know a movie with another david harbour performance uh suicide squad god um <laughs> he's he's like a character in the boardroom um one of my favorite scenes from this movie was during like the big garbage tornado laser thing it shoots up into space and it hits a satellite and just so you know that's an important satellite it also cuts to a guy in like a mission control room going that was our best satellite <laughs> um <laughs> uh which is just what a what a good movie making decision um this movie is kind of crazy that i don't feel like there's a lot of movies that just get replaced entirely by a movie with almost an identical name i watched like uh i think last night i watched like the first half an hour ish of the of the suicide squad and it's just it's so much it's just such a better movie <laughs> and yeah. it is kind of funny like i don't think there's i can't even think of another example of just a movie that like came out was not very good and then another movie came out called the movie that did come out that just completely subsumed it entirely <laughs> yeah it's really funny i'll say I do know people who do not like the Suicide Squad, and some are like, oh, it's not much, you know, it, I wouldn't say it's better than, like, this one, which is oh. also bad, but, like, yeah, I'll say I, would... I, 
yeah. So, no, I, I like the Suicide Squad a lot. Like, yeah, really it's nice. like, at, at the very least, like, I don't, I can't imagine there's maybe like a subculture, but there's, can't imagine there's people that are like, Suicide Squad's great, but the Suicide Squad is like, ugh. Like. Yeah, it's literally both of them are bad. Um, but <laughs> Which, like, I think that's a fine position to have. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really... I really like it. It's another great John Cena performance. Honestly, um, this movie, I accidentally watched the kind of longer version of it, which I think has a bit more Jared Leto stuff, which is probably good because he is not in it a lot. Um, but, oh, no. Not it, but, barely. Yeah. But this was a film where, and I'm, I have definitely told this story before, but I saw it on th- on theaters it was the day after this big camp party where we met the guy who plays young Heath Ledger in Brokeback Mountain. Um, and two of our friends... And sorry, been... and I, I, I kissed that guy. I kissed that guy in a drinking game. Sorry, I was muted and I had to get that in there. You didn't tell, you didn't share that part of the story last time. So you, you kissed that guy, I slept on a patio, and then for much of the next day, uh, well, me and... Me and some friends, like, went to, like, a, a restaurant, and then a couple of us, like, we're going to see Suicide Squad later. But I wound up in, like, the middle of a fight between, like, two of our friends who were basically both, like, f- fighting in a group chat we had, and then also just texting me, like, st- stuff in. And I sat for Suicide Squad and, you know, got to put the phone away and not have to deal with the, either of them, who, again, two, two dear friends of of like ours and then i finish and like yeah this was good and then over the course of the week the next week i just kept thinking of all the stuff i didn't like about it where i'm like yeah this is good but this is good but and then i'm like no wait that wasn't good it was just better than having to sit through being in the middle of a fight like (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you had a, a similar experience to my mike and dave need wedding dates where it wasn't the movie it was the surrounding environment <laughs> yeah and then i watched this and i'm like hmm maybe it's a l- little hard on it but then it ended and i'm i'm like um all the stuff i hated i still hated all the stuff i thought was kind of good the first time the suicide squad just did a lot better and i think the only thing i really like is the dumb 21 pilot song that's at the end of this film just... <laughs> yeah it's oh man it's like this movie yeah it's just not very it's i forgot how this movie you know it doesn't really even have like three acts it has like an introduction and then the witch is a villain and then that's the rest of the movie i thought there was like a middle chunk where like they go on a mission and they fail or something like i thought there was literally anything before just like the main antagonist and the climax um no yeah if you mean fair you can say the second act is they find out the person they were rescuing was actually amanda waller and then there's the connection to the witch and they all kind of walk off but yeah yeah. okay so do they know that girl like do they know amanda waller like do they like i i was so confused at that point where they find out who she is and like that changes a lot like i don't doesn't she interact with them in like the prison when they're getting put together on like the mission like i don't is yeah yeah if that does happen i don't remember 
like she oversees that prison she's like a big government per person it's but i'll say part of the reason why this movie is so disjointed is very famously uh this film was directed by david ayer he's made movies like bright and fury and some other things but that makes sense the yeah. the guy the guy in bright kind of looks like the crocodile guy also, Bright literally stars Will Smith. Oh, yeah. They also have Will Smith in it. I forgot. I always forget Will Smith is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but basically, he went and he was making this film. It was kind of back in the Snyderverse era of this movie. And I think it was around the time where they were starting to feel a bit of backlash and the kind of the darker interpretations of, of the characters... Uh, Stuff I'll say I wasn't, like, a, a fan of, but they were making this movie, they're like, yeah, there's all these villains. We're like, well, Suicide Squad, uh, of course, it is, like, a comics property. It's always kind of had the premise. Super villains go on missions and for, like, a chance of time off their prison sentence. And depending on the run, Amanda Waller sometimes is, like, the greater evil, and sometimes it's just, like, kind of benign and oversee seen it on but so it had some name recognition but then it comes out with this trailer that uses like it wasn't even the first trailer because the first trailer was set to this the somber thing of the song like i had a i had a joke and then it made it seem like the joker was like r a really big part of it but then there was this trailer that came out that was set to bohemian rhapsody yeah that plays in the movie like yeah. for 10 seconds before the credits or before like the little like ending little like uh epilogues for each character yeah. it it kind of play plays in a th on a thing and it and it the trailer you know it showed off like oh here's all these little fun moments here's all all this stuff here's all here's all these things and it got a really positive response the issue was the trailer did not match what the movie was, which was this kind of big, dark, somber, serious piece about these villains that had... And essentially, all the fun bits have been put in this trailer. So, Warner Brothers starts freaking out. They're like, oh no, oh no, what are we going to do? And their solution was, they took the original cut of the movie. They then gave all the footage to the trailer company and had them put together an edit. Then they basically tested both of them and took the stuff that I think tested the most in both versions and kind of mashed it together into a movie, which results in a film <laughs> where the editing is largely incoherent. You're introduced to Will Smith roughly three separate times. Like, it's... <laughs> Harley Quinn gets introduced, like, twice. And so it's a film that just does not flow together, and it's just this weird, disjointed mess in addition to, like, probably not, like, being that good to begin with. Like, after the Snyder Cut came out, there, in in the subset of, like, weird toxic fans, there is, like, a group of people who are like, okay, and now you gotta give Ayer his version of the Suicide Squad. And, like, I doubt his movie is good, but it's probably a bit better just by virtue of, I don't know, like, not... Like, 
not feeling like a disjointed collection of stuff. And I believe in his villain version, the Joker was more toxic and not this weirdly kind of romantic figure. Yeah. 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 The yeah. the, the Joker's just not in it at all. They, I mean, maybe in the version that you saw, but like, and like, I guess that makes sense. I don't know if he has a big presence in like the Suicide Squad comics um or like those well, it's stories largely supposed to be about like well harley quinn has been yeah. in a, a lot of versions modern versions of it but largely it is here's some of the lesser known villains yeah yeah that's kind of like the, the the point um yeah and like this movie also is just like visually very dark and like it's like it's a problem with a lot of superhero movies but like i think this one especially uh, suffers from the problem of like oh like the villain's army is just CGI gray mess and like nothing visually interesting to look at um, yeah so much of it's in the rain like, yeah it's... and like in contrast with like the the Suicide Squad like the first scenes in that movie are like they're brightly lit um, like a character is bouncing a bright red ball it's just like immediately from the outset it's just more visually like interesting yeah um, and it that's has the weasel like, too. Yeah, that's true of James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy movies as well, in that they have like yeah. color and an Very actual colorful. look to them that you don't get in, say, Suicide Squad, which is just dark, grim, dark. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I don't know. It's like it's not like this movie's horrible. Um, I like the little disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I do distinctly remember. I like the little visual flares of like the character introductions that like, not every character gets. Um, I can't remember his name. I thought it was Slipknot, but it maybe is not. It might be the guy that can climb anything. (laughs) Slipknot, which is like, like, like I don't. It's just like what a, what a like it is just like so strange, that that's like I get that he's like not one of the main people and like maybe he's literally just there to show that like yep if you run away like you're gonna get your head blown up, I don't know but like wouldn't it have been so much funnier if he be if he was like, one of like the main characters that did like a huge thing that like was super helpful <laughs> I don't know it just is very, very strange it's like. It's obscure and bad. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things where, like, the Suicide Squad, you kind of want that tension of, oh, are the, like, wh- are these characters going to die? Like, are we going to, like, ca- care a bit when that happens? And to be fair, the Suicide Squad, while it kills off more people, a lot of those people are just in, like, the opening scene of the movie. But it's a little yeah. effective because it's literally a group of people who are sent there to be like the decoys so the actual team could get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to to be fair though, spoilers for the Suicide Squad, a good chunk of like the main cast also is is gone by the end of it. Yeah. Well, Peacemaker comes back for the oh. very good Peacemaker, but but right. but yeah, it but it kills off Rick Flag, which is like pretty shocking. Also, I forgot how much better Rick Flag is. Like, 
I remember in the Suicide Squad going, oh yeah, this character is working now, but he actively sucks in this one, and you're supposed to kind of care about his love story with Cara yeah. Delevingne, who is um, unfortunately just, I don't think that very good of an actress, but... <laughs> yeah, like... like... The best thing about that character is that his little, like, flashcard has, like, golf stats on it. I remember that being, like, I was, when I first saw this in theaters, going, like, oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> I hope the rest yeah. of the movie is that fun. Um, yeah. That's the, whole, that's the whole thing where you're, like, oh, that's probably, like, that trailer company's take. But, but yeah, the whole, like, and the kind of neon aesthetic you get for a bit that's, that's interesting there, like, it's just a whole... Like, the stuff that's interesting does not seem like it should be in the movie. No, it, like, it's kind of sticks out. Um, yeah, and, like, now that, when you mentioned that, like, yeah, the editing that sort of, like, mashed up, and, like, that's what it super feels like. Because it feels like everything moves, like, really, really fast. And, like, I don't know. And, like, there's a lot of, like, missed opportunities, too, to, like, um tell like pretty good jokes even if it's a little like because one of the most like one of the most weirdly disjointed things um and it's like kind of a funny joke but like i feel like the timing on it should have been a little better is that when is it what's his name rick the the gent the army guy what's his name rick flag rick flag um yeah like when he's like when he's like you guys can go and then like Captain Moorang just gets up and leaves immediately, like that's a funny scene. That's like a funny thing. But then he just like comes back, like not even like in a fun like, you know, like comes back during the fight in like a in like some kind of neat you know little cliched reveal. But like he just comes back as they're doing like the superhero walk to the bad guy, with like a couple like beers in his hand, which is like. It's like a kind of funny joke, but it maybe needed a little better timing. Yeah, that's a character where, you know, you can help they kind of have a take on him. Like, and it's interesting that, like, in the end, he's the one who, you know, still protests until he's getting, like, you know, he's the one person who, the one surviving character who's, like, worse off than they were before, but. <laughs> yeah. It's one where you're, like, you wish there was kind of more, like, yeah, especially with a character named Captain Boomerang. It's like, why did you make him one of the least interesting characters? <laughs> or, like, give him, like, the least of anything to do? Oh, I was saying, there's a, also, this is a film where the integration of Batman, famously odd, where it's like, he shows up, he's like, I need files on all your metahumans. Even though when Batman v Superman literally has a scene where he steals Lex Luthor's files on all the metahumans. <laughs> he wants more files. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, man, I don't, it, you know what, I'm guessing maybe they did go into it or maybe it's implied and maybe I just missed it. But like, it's so weird that like the narrative for like, we need to build this team because of people like Superman. Um, and it's like, why not make like a team of like good people with superpowers like to me it makes more sense to have this team if you want to do like covert stuff that like is just morally questionable um and you also like have a lot of leverage over these people that you would have um over top of like superhero like meta humans that like don't have a criminal record or like anything and like but it feels like they always hammer on it they're like we need this to beat 
Superman. Um, which I guess is, like, kind of neat. But it also, like, doesn't work because, like, half of your super people are just people with guns. Yeah. That, like, I don't think could beat Superman. Like, logically. To be fair, in this film, the justification is they are supposed to be the scapegoats for having caused the problem. Okay, that see, that's what I'm saying, is that I probably just missed an explanation like yeah. that. And then the second film is, like, more yeah coverts black ops like more morally questionable stuff and yeah where it's like can you go overthrow this foreign government and it's like that makes sense <laughs> that you'd want like a team of criminals to do that yeah. also it it's so funny that like amanda waller has been um we'll see how it shifts as james gunn kind of takes over as head of dc films though she is getting her own kind of show but I don't know if you saw Black Adam, but Black Adam, like, they kind of try and make her sort of the Nick Fury of the DC universe, where, and by the end, Superman is showing up, apparently, because she asked him to, but it's something that's like, like, but it's this take on her that is just completely divorced from, well, the kind of, actually, both Suicide Squad's takes on her, and I'll say she does come off a lot worse in the sequel, even though in this one she literally kills like a bunch of people because their clearance wasn't high enough. Like, oh yeah, because in like the Suicide Squad, like she like threatens to kill uh, Idris Elba's uh, like daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which which is the whole thing, and of course the Suicide Squad, like you find out she they've actively been like working with this sort of regime. And... Hmm. Yeah, yeah, um <laughs> never yeah. saw never saw Black Adam. If if it was shorter I would have. If I could get a supercut. <laughs> but I hear it's like I hear it's not even it's not even bad good. It's just boring bad. But yeah, Leto Joker, like not in it a lot, like does did the version you watch have like a lot of flashbacks to like kind of Harley meeting him in prison and just just kind of the stuff like did it at least show her fall into the acid i want to think that uh, it that wasn't did there. show her fall into the acid that did happen um not a lot there's like i think all the joker scenes if in my head i remember it's like there's um yeah there's like him in like the club them like in a therapy session getting thrown into the i don't i'm trying to think i don't think did I have this? I don't even know if I had the scene where like he's in like the knife room laughing. Is that even from this one? That no, I believe that was from the trailer. Like okay, yeah, because one I, of the things about the air version of it is he does become kind of a secondary antagonist in it. Where, well, first of all, he full on pushes Harley out of like the helicopter, like in an attempt to kill her, and then he like shows up and he's like trying to get her back, and it's before the battle. And she gets a legitimate rejection of him. And I forget if it still ends with him, like, coming to break her out of prison at the end. But I know that's the ending that I have, is him breaking her out of prison. Yeah, that's the ending, like, the one I saw, too. But just, like, yeah. But in the original version, he was supposed to be more of, a, like, an antagonistic character. Also, there's all these stories of, like, Jared Leto getting really weird and methody and just sending people, like, weird shit in the mail and... Like, yeah it's just like it it didn't pay off like it's not even a it's like it's it's weird that 
it might be the worst Joker performance, which is strange because that is a character that's been adapted so many times that I feel like before Jared Leto, I don't know if we could have pointed to that one's the worst one. <laughs> but I can say like with from all the ones that I've seen, <laughs> it is like the least entertaining looks the silliest in a bad way. Yeah, um, it's the most twisted. It's PM. the most He's the most damaged. Um Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, like it is. And I mean, you know what? To Jared Leto's credit, the mantle needed to be held by somebody. Um he's the worst Joker and the best Morbius. Um <laughs> <laughs> Which you know there you go yeah so do we have anything more to say on the suit on suicide squad not the the suicide squad um no i i like the part where deadshot like shoots harley quinn and goes like i guess i missed i didn't like i don't like will smith or uh yeah deadshot and Harley Quinn, Will Smith, Mark Robbie, I don't think they had like a lot of heart to heart scenes in that movie, but it felt like maybe in another cut they did. Cause that's what that scene felt like it was leading up to. Cause like in my head, I'm thinking, why does he care about Harley Quinn at all? Yeah. It's literally just, they're the lead. <laughs> so they have to have like their yeah, scenes together. They were in, were they, they were in focus together, right? Was it, was that Margot Robbie? Yeah. Yeah. This is her first and worst performance as a character, but that's more on the writing than anything she is doing. Oh, yeah, I would say. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, that is the last thing I had to say about Suicide Squad 2016. Yeah. Well, in that case, we can say get out to Suicide Squad <laughs> and talk about get And get out. in to get out. Um, yeah, man, you know, after watching a lot of TV, which was satisfying, but a bit it, like watching TV is like kind of like, it's like a lot of work. You got to watch a lot to get a decent chunk out of it. You know, like I had to watch a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, it's, it's a bit of a task, you know, to watch, you know, so much stuff. And then I had to watch Suicide Squad, <laughs> which was... Eh, but just getting to watch a damn good, you know, reasonably timed, reasonable, like, time, uh, like, sacrifice movie was just so refreshing and nice. I, I super like Get Out. Um, I still think, honestly, it's hard to say. I think for me it's tied with Nope, because I really like Nope. Um, I think I like Nope more than, like, the... I think people still, I think most people still put Get Out above Nope, but I, I think right now they're equal for me. I think I had Nope above, but then after watching this, I super love this one. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember what my current Peel ranking was. It's all. I think for me, it was almost like Us, then Get Out, Nope, sort of, sort of there or. Maybe us was lower. Like, I have to rewatch. Actually, we do get to rewatch us. Um, yeah. And then I get to watch us for the first time. Us is really good. Um, I'm mm. excited for it. But 
he's made three really great films uh, that I love. This film is funny. Like, clearly MTV Movie Awards, at this point, is not caring if they're spoiling, like, a twist villain. Like, I think... Yeah. I um, think... Yeah. yeah. I was talking to past guest uh, Greta the narrator, and she was saying that. She's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I found out Allison Williams was the villain of Get Out. Like, the MTV <laughs> Movie Awards nominations came out. Like, just... <laughs> Yeah, this movie is just, like, it is... Man, one thing I always weirdly forget about Get Out, because it is kind of like a horror movie, is that, like, it's just super funny. It's just, like, a very funny movie. Um, which I think, like, I think like the... What is it? Um, Milton... Milton Howard? Or Howard? Like, he got, like, a... He got... He won, like, Best Comedic Performance, and, like, he's just doing amazing in this movie. Lil Ray Howery? Just... Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was... I was looking at Milton. the different. <laughs> I'm like, who's Milton? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a funny movie, which you know makes sense. It's Jordan Peele, um, who of course has his comedic background. Yeah, his uh, two episodes on epic rap battles of history, of course, you're referring to. Um. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it is a f- funny film in the beginning of all kind of just all the way it. It shows off, like, the way it just kind of nails that sort of the the well-meaning, like, progressive liberal racism. Um, just the casual things of, oh, no, my dad's not like that. Like, he would have voted for Obama a third time if he could. Just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's a good bit. And then he mentions it later. It's just, yeah, it's really, really solid. Very funny. Yeah. And as unsettling as, like, you know, a lot of the scenes are, especially with the other people who you later find out are, like, their, yeah, basically the, yeah, Allison Williams' grandparents in these, like, other bodies. Like, you know, there is still, like, a sense of humor. Like, it's funny to have Lakeith Stanfield dressed up as, like, an old man after he disappeared, or after he gets, like, attacked in the opening of the film. Like, it's... um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and like, yeah, all there, yeah, just the performances of like the people that have like had their like brains taken over are just so like, it's just, it's so, it's so neat to watch the movie after you sort of know the twist. Yeah. Um, the because... Williams performance gets, even, well, it's, it's good to start with, but it gets, gets a lot better when you can kind of like see, you know, the little ways where like, where you're like, oh, she's doing a really good good job acting like she's a human person with feelings and not like the sociopath she then like switches to um mm-hmm. also i remember seeing in theaters like there was a point where i'm like oh she has to be in on it that still hits the thing where she shows that yes yeah, she does have the car keys and she's like sorry babe like um... <laughs> yeah like that's the thing is that like i feel like that's something i feel like you know that is something that's like that's a little bit of a of a pet peeve of mine but it mainly just has to do with like i think it's just the only way you can have a really effective twist where like it's kind of like um the twist villain from frozen where it's like it's pretty plausibly deniable right up until it happens um i think this movie's obviously doing a better job at that that like i feel like there are like little hints but like right up until the reveal it could go either way, and they both, like, make sense. 
Yeah, like, because, you know, she is in a person where, like, you could see an arc of her realizing, oh, my family kind of sucks. Um, just as, as she's so apologetic. Even as you are seeing stuff like, you know, the photos of her with those people were like, hmm. No, something has to be up with her, right? Like it's Yeah, yeah, it's like a nice little I think yeah, that's you that's probably enough to like tip it over the edge where like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel so like oh, there's no way you could have known. Like I feel like it sows enough seeds. Yeah. It, and it works as yeah, but they do enough work to like establish kind of her credentials that by the time you realize you're like, okay, yeah, this was an act, like it still kind of lands as a reveal. Um, it's also a film. Um, something I think about a lot when I think about this movie is, um, as uh, I don't think I've told the story on on Mike, but I believe the year after it came out, when I worked at camp, like I will typically bring a lot of DVDs of there to potentially watch, and we had a movie night where we watched it. Um, <laughs> that was the first time I ever saw it. <laughs> Yeah, the staff movie <laughs> night, we sat for, like, Get Out, and then uh, the director that year, quite a character, uh, had previously shot down watching Black Panther because, in her words, it was wildly racist. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, like, so we watched this film, there's, like, language, I'm like, uh, and then I went over, and I'm like, so why do you think of it? She's like, well, I thought it was really good. She's like, you know what I like? Like, you know, was it it wasn't really trying to make like a big message like (laughs) what what just the what the the wildest takeaway from that movie yeah and based on like something that i learned about the director it makes sense that she would not like see it at all as like a critique about like systemic racism and more just look at this crazy family but like yeah just the most (laughs) insane thing i'm like huh and i think about it all the time and yeah, then this is the same director that uh pitched having um a tin tin week at camp um which like... you talk down to a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is even... watch tin tin under the stars you guys watch tin tin i <laughs> me and a bunch of other people watch spider-man homecoming <laughs> No, yeah, I watched Spider Man Home oh. with you. That was the night Bridget to Terra Biffia won a movie night. Oh, I don't remember watching Tintin. I was out and about. It w- yeah. It was that night where I forget how. Oh, yeah, we weren't going to be able to do um, our Sleeping Under the Stars Outback. So then I went over and by. And I think to you, I know where I'm like, what if we did a lawn back and we watched the movie outside and then all slept outside? And then she's like, yeah, good idea. Let's do that. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and as a result, I think I missed part of Tintin. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, get, get out like really spooky. And like Williams, you know, once she snaps into villain mode, like it's just really strong. Like, oh, the, yeah. the bits like her just casually listening to music and just searching through for her next victim while just drinking drinking kind of like white milk and just eating cookies like uh. oh yeah and um my girlfriend simone pointed out a little thing about when she's eating the cereal um how like 
I think she pointed out that like she doesn't put the milk in, so just having like the two things, the white is separate from everything else. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little thing that like it just goes so sort of the the weird kind of alienness of the character, and then where you're like, oh no, yeah, she's like really racist. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and like right up until like the very end, and it's like there was um. I think I remember there was like an alternate ending to this where like the cops come at the end and like they see everything and they go like, oh, like we're going to like take this guy to jail now. Um, And like that's like I feel like that's like that is a ending that says something. But like I kind of like that we got like the nice or happy ending where his friend just comes um, as like and just helps (laughs) and just isn't. Yeah, it's good you get the release. Uh, weirdly, I think I'm currently in an art of adaptation class, like, so I have a film studies class, where Get Out kind of came up in a thing about narrative structure that our teacher was using, where he's like, yeah, you know, most Hollywood films use the happy ending, but sometimes, you know, there's, like, a darker one, and then the way he described, like, Get Out, and he showed a clip from the ending that kind of cuts off as the police show shows up, but in his version, it's like, yeah, then the police show up, and then he looks guilty, and I'm like, has he only seen the alternate ending of this film? Or, like, has he not seen the actual ending of Get Out? And you know, no one really pushed back. It was, like, an early class, but it's, like, <laughs> um, that's not how Get Out ends. Like, it's... <laughs> and yeah. even then, like, I don't think it was the alternate ending because it just showed, like, a police car, and then the clip ended right before, like, the TSA reveal. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if it did end without the TSA reveal, I think, like, one would assume the bad ending just based off like the interaction with the cop in the in the scene prior in like the beginning scene yeah and you know they they make it seem like it's going for like a downer and it speaks to how good the movie is that you that it doesn't feel like a cop out when it is his friend if you're like oh, oh no good yeah <laughs> it, it it is just like nice <laughs> um yeah i'm super it is just like uh it was a great way to to cap her off finishing off this this week so you, i did i think after that i did watch the last episode of the walking dead just to keep with the tradition of finishing with the winner <laughs> um, but this was definitely like this was like just such a nice just a really good good movie great great time investment to quality given out yeah um so unless we have more to say about Get Out, and I'm sure we'll revisit this down the road at some point, uh, but we can probably move into our rankings of the films and shows for this week. Yeah, uh, so for the TV shows and movies, um, I think pretty obviously, um, I think we have uh, Suicide Squad at the bottom. Um, yep pretty honestly pretty far at the bottom like putting it next to the one above it is a bit weird but i think the one right above that is um the walking dead um it was good but it was like a really big time investment um and there was just also just like a lot of episodes that like just had just went off on characters that i just don't super care about which is like that's the nature of having like a hundred characters at this point uh smack dab in the middle we have stranger things really solid um i wonder if i would have enjoyed it more if i would have just like continued through after my favorite scene because i feel like that that maybe hindered my enjoyment if i like i watched it up 
to like my one of my favorite scenes and then didn't watch it again for months and then tried to like pick it back up i feel like i lost a bit of momentum there but regardless i put that one right in the middle and then for my top two um i think well yeah i think i have like um uh, uh i think i have american horror story and then get out above that one um two just really solid ones i think american horror story like definitely definitely give it a watch um even if you did listen to us spoil everything, it still is like a pretty enjoyable, enjoyable, not a short experience, but a good one. Yeah. And there's plenty of stuff we didn't give away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is one of those cases where my ratings are like exactly the same. Uh, Suicide Squad, very firm at the bottom, like sub, sub, sub basement, pretty much. And then hanging out in the basement. Yeah. The Walking Dead, like, you know, would my opinion have changed if I watched more episodes? I don't think so, which is why it kind of is where it is. Like, it's, you know, if, if that's your kind of thing, like, sure, but I think even the people who enjoyed The Walking Dead had kind of fallen off by the very end of it. Like, I don't know a lot of people who are really excited for the spinoffs, except for people just weirdly fascinated with, like, Negan or this spinoff where the premise is Daryl mysteriously washes off on the shores of France with no memory of how we got there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Then, yeah, above that, Stranger Things, like, you know, cl- classic stuff, like, just, you know, it's, I think the show, uh, I personally think it gets better even as it gets kind of a bit more bloated, but this first season just crackerjack entertainment. No wonder we became a phenomenon. Then, yeah, Roanoke, like, really pleasantly surprised with that, this one. Like, Ryan Murphy, um, it's very hit or miss. Even the stuff I love, like, there's two things he's made where, like, I love without, like, reservations. But, and, again, as I said, the cannibal stuff with this one just got a little much. But, it just really strong performances, really good structure. Like, yeah, watch that thing, baby. Um first place like get out um one of the best films of of that year and yeah just really strong really good and hey you know it's a film with no underlying message (laughs) (laughs) none at all (laughs) but how do the villains stack up yeah um so uh unsurprisingly um at the bottom uh, I do have uh, Jared Leto's Joker. Just like, just like, this was the first film one to follow Heath Ledger's, and boy, howdy, was it not great? <laughs> um, just really, really strange. Like, I feel like any anybody who was a fan of the character knew that the next one like wasn't going to be that good in comparison, but. I don't think anyone expected it to be. Tried. They could have tried like anything. Um, I think above that one, I do have um, Wes Bentley's uh, Ambrose White, like just not in it a ton, <laughs> just like just not, um, and just sort of outshined by other like um, villains slash like corrupted protagonist kind of uh, in the same story. Um, truly a story of like not 
not a lot of good people live that long um very very good very good show but very weak villain choice by the mtv movies awards part uh i think above that one uh i do have uh, allison williams rose um really solid just like not a lot of time as the villain just like kind of just in like the last like 20 minutes but in those last 20 minutes like just does a lot um kind of like you said like just like with wine just like looking over who the next victim is gonna be um and then for my top two um i think i do have uh the demogorgon just very kind of neat looking isn't in a lot but i think it's just like a sufficient like spooky monster um i think dividing a monster is like very very hard um to like make scary and this one is like it's a little derivative um i don't know specifically of what but like sort of like the face that opens up like a flower i think that is something literally in the last of us um and like other stuff too but you know what it's better it's a little derivative and effective than completely unique and not good um uh, and then my top one, I do have uh, Negan. I think he's, you know what, I think he's just very, very solid, very, like, hateable. Um, yeah, like, the perfect, the perfect, uh, you know, uh, parallel with Megan from Drake and Josh. Or just any, any sort of snotty villain from any, like, Disney Channel show that always gets their way. He very much gives off that energy. Cool, yeah. So, for the bottom, I actually have Wes Bentley, just for virtue of should not have been the nominee. Like, glad we ought to watch Roanoke, but you could have nominated so many other things from that Roanoke. Um, then, above above him, um, yeah, Jared, Jared Leto, Suicide Squad, like, just not, not good. No, just really bad. Um, Apologies to all you Leto heads out there. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm. We're happy for you. Yeah. Then, uh, then above that, um, I would probably put the the, the demogor- demogorgon. Uh, as you said, like used sparingly, but like really effective. Just really cool design. Um, and yeah, just makes for a really strong threat for this first season of Stranger Things. Then for top two, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say I have Allison Will, Williams in the two spot, like, as much as you're like, well, she's just a villain in the last 20 minutes, really, she is a villain the whole time, we just don't know, um, and I think it's like a really good, really strong f- performance, but, yeah, Negan, like, undeniably just strong performance strong villain don't really like that show that much but i can see why so many of my friends are just fascinated with negan and why our pal like jack was like yeah every week i just see the word trending and i would click on it to see what he was up to like i'm just (laughs) but Yeah. yeah so that about does it for Best Villain 2017. Um, now we have come to the recommendation of the week. Yeah. I actually have one in the chamber already. Um, wow. Yeah, I 
I may have already recommended this in a previous episode, but I, it is something I don't mind recommending again. Um, I realized it is no longer... I realized it's probably happened a while ago, but it's not getting a second season, so it's just one, and it's kind of sad, but uh, the Modoc TV show, um, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's I, I don't know. Um, have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. Who's the Who's the main guy who plays Modoc? It's like a Patton famous, Oswald. Patton Oswalt. That's the guy. Um, yeah, just like I thought it was very funny. I kind of I like the little like it's like robot chicken ish style stop motion look to it. I really like it. I think it looks kind of neat. Um, yeah, and just like I don't know, it just it made me made me laugh quite a bit. I haven't watched it in a while, but um, I think it is no longer gonna get any any more seasons, which is sad. Uh, but yeah, no, give that. If you're looking for more of a Modoc fix after seeing his uh, little tiny ass in Quantumanium, there you go. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and for me, I am going to recommend Emotion, the second album of Carly Rae Jepsen, which I listened to for the first time, much to the bafflement of a lot of my friends who are like, how have you, how did you not hear this album before? Um, but I listened to it to the first time recently, and immediately I'm like, oh yeah, this is one of the great pop albums of the tens. So, yeah, just really really strong stuff. And now I'm working my way through the rest of Carly Rae, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I really have been missing out here. So, yeah, listen to Emotion. If you've heard Emotion before, listen to it again. Um. So, now we have come to plugs. That was a weird transition for it, but whatever. What do you got to plug this week, Ben? Uh, yeah, I always have my Instagram and my Twitter, and then uh, you can find my link tree at uh, uh, l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash g-h-a-k-k-e-r, and that has all of my social media. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterboxd also at Like a Wolverine. You can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can find us on Instagram, which I promise I'll update it soon. I I really should just start doing that instead of just always talking about it, but I'm a busy guy. Um at Pass the Golden Popcorn. You can email us at PassTheGoldenPopcorn at gmail.com. Um if you like the show, tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe. Um our theme song is by Matt Samard. Our artwork is by Ben. We are hosted on Friendly Mush. There's cool podcasts there. Um, and yeah, all that's left to do is to talk about what's coming up next. So, for Best Villain 2018, the nominees are Josh Brolin, Avengers Infinity War, Adam Driver, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Aubrey Plaza, Legion, Bill Skarsgård, It, and the winner, Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther. Ooh. That's a good yeah. one that week. Yeah, um, another big kind of like blockbuster yeah. type year, but some really, type, yeah. really good movies in there. Oh, yeah. Um, another Avengers yeah. and a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be joined by our old pal Ethan, who's yeah. looking to join the Five Timers Club for appearances. So. <laughs> oh man, 
one day I hope to join the Five Timers Club. Yeah, gotta settle for the... What is this, episode 60? (laughs) I'm just gonna have to delete 55 other episodes. (laughs) Pick out the best five. (laughs) Yeah, but... Thanks for listening. Um, Keep passing that gold popcorn and... Just remember... Hello, no one is available to take your call at this time. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, um, this is Jesse, your guest from the 2004 Best Kiss and 1997 Best Villain episodes. It's come to my attention that you all have received a voice memo from Negan. Um, I was a little hesitant about whether to speak or say anything, because anytime the idea of deplatforming comes up, it it becomes an issue of censorship and free speech, even though, you know, past the golden popcorn is uh, by no means any form of public institution, and it's very much your right to platform or not platform whoever you see right to do so. Uh, and so, uh, I, I don't want to take that out of your hands. I trust that you all will just do what's right by your audience, uh, but I do want to, I guess, just make sure that you have the opportunity to provide your audience with various perspectives. So, I, I, you know, I, I just don't want to think that you would be propagating any sort of, not to use a, a phrase that might be loaded, right? harm, uh, I guess. Right. Yeah, um, and so I I also don't know what it is that Negan had to say, and if that's something that's appropriate to share with your audience or not, but I just feel like this is something that should be clear, and I'm sending this to Kenny, and, you know, you can do what you will with it, much like you can do what you will with the message that you received from Negan. Um, and so that is all to say, um, Negan is a bad man. Um, yeah, Negan is not a good man. Negan is bad. It's just, that's the only... Yeah. Uh, and so that is what I think is important for people to know, and I hope I'm not overstepping any sort of boundary about how guests should engage with the show or crossing uh, the line of uh, you know, it's your show and again, I, I just yeah, um, have a nice day 
everyone, Kenny, Ben, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's just I hope there's not a narrative that isn't based in reality at all that you would be facilitating uh, the, the spread or justification and, uh, falsely of yeah, yeah, but you know, a great, great show. Um, I look forward to being back. Hopefully, um, the mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye.